Good to see each one of you in the Lord's house tonight. Let's all stand together if you would. Stand with me. Let's turn to page 294. That song the ladies were just playing. I, my Savior's love. I stand amazed in the presence. Let's sing it out. Verses 1, 4, and 5 tonight. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me. A sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows, he made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see, twill be my story through the ages to sing of his love for me. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Amen. Amen. Well, aren't you glad for God's love tonight? Somebody say amen. Sure thankful that you are uh, here tonight uh, and uh, hope you had a a uh, restful afternoon, enjoyed this morning seeing John the Baptist, amen, and excited about uh, tonight as we get uh, back into our uh, study of the, of the kings and the prophets. I uh, realize there are a lot of our folks uh, that are tuning in online, and we're sure thankful uh, for that, but it's good to have uh, people here as as well, and, and so we've got quite a few uh, guests tonight, amen, and from some of the other uh, area churches that are not able to have services, and so uh, folks are here tonight, we're sure thankful for that. Good to have our missionaries tonight uh, to Columbia, Brother Joel and Miss Valerie Scuffham, our missionaries, uh, their family uh, is here tonight, so thankful for that. They are at, uh, I believe, just over 80%, he said last month, and uh, so pray for them uh, as uh, they get ready to uh, head to the field that God has called them to, but sure glad they're uh, able to be with us uh, tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Joel Scuffham if you would pray for us tonight, brother. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Uh, again, I uh, did want to mention uh, uh, some things. Uh, if you didn't get the uh, January bulletin, make sure that you get that uh, because right inside the bulletin there is a just some information right there for things like uh, updating our directory, and there's also some text alerts. You can sign up uh, and get the text alerts and, and stuff like that. That certainly is very helpful for times uh, like this where we've had to make uh, changes to uh, the services and, and things like that. And of course, today we just had our morning service and tonight our evening service. Looking forward to getting back on schedule this coming Wednesday night uh, at 7 o'clock. And speaking of that, did want to mention a few things coming up this week. If you have kids in Faith Baptist School, don't forget about school. There's no school uh, tomorrow, and Lord willing, be able to start back uh, Tuesday morning uh, at 8.30. And then also, uh, this coming Wednesday night, Brother Eric Watson is going to be preaching our main service. Uh, pray for us as we'll be heading out tomorrow, going to the Church Planners Conference there at Heartland Baptist uh, Bible College. 
And then, of course, don't forget about uh, as well, uh, let's see, Ju uh, January the 19th, which is on a Friday, will be the next uh, round of volleyball and basketball games versus Heritage Baptist School. These will actually be away, so that'll be at Heritage Baptist Church over in Lawrence, Kansas. And again, the, those games will be starting at 6 o'clock, so I want to invite you to come out uh, to that and uh, root on the Falcons, amen, as they beat the Hawks, hopefully, amen, so that's a blessing. All right, come on ahead. I did want to add to that, too. If you have kids that are going to be uh, going, they need to be on the bus, and the bus will leave at 445, all right, 445 from here, and you can certainly ride with us if you want to. Let's all stand once again. Turn to page 242. Page 242, he is able to deliver thee. We'll sing all three verses together tonight. Page 242. Tis the grandest theme through the ages rung. Tis the grandest theme for a mortal tongue. Tis the grandest theme that the world e'er sung. Our God is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. Though by sin oppressed, go to him for rest. Our God is able to deliver thee. Tis the grandest theme in the earth or main. Tis the grandest theme for a mortal strength. Tis the grandest theme, tell the world again. Our God is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. Is able to deliver thee, though by sin oppressed, go to him for rest. Our God is able to deliver thee. Tis the grandest theme, let the tidings roll to the guilty heart, to the sinful soul. Look to God in faith, he will make thee whole. Our God is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. Though by sin oppressed, go to him for rest. Our God is able to deliver thee. Amen. Well, it has been good to be in God's house today. And uh, we're looking forward now to giving back to him just a small portion of what he's blessed us so much with. I'm going to ask Brother Gentry Gutierrez if you would pray for the offerings tonight. Page number 654. I'll let you remain seated for this song. Page 654. We'll sing the first, third, and last verse. Oh, I want to see him. Page 654. As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within, but my Lord leads me on. Through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in valleys low I look toward the mountain high, and behold my Savior there, leading in the fight. 
With a tender hand outstretched toward the valley low Guiding me I can see as I onward go Oh, I want to see him look upon his face There to sing forever of his saving grace On the streets of glory let me lift my voice Cares I'll pass home at last Ever to rejoice on that last When before me billows rise From the mighty deep Then my Lord directs my bark He doth safely keep And he leads me gently on Through this world below He's a real friend to me Oh, I love him so Oh, I want to see him Look upon his face There to sing forever of his saving grace on the streets of glory let me lift my voice cares i'll pass home at last ever to rejoice that'll be a great day amen home at last let's all stand for our last song page 648 page number 648 i'll fly away singing all verses tonight for our last song page number 648 glad morning when this life is o'er I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore Great singing together tonight. At this time, we'll have a duet just before the message tonight. Dream. 
tonight. Amen. Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel and uh, the book of, of 1 Samuel. And uh, don't stand uh, just, just yet, but do just want to remind you uh, we are uh, in the study of what I would call the kings uh, and the prophets as really the first part of the book of 1 Samuel kind of shows how Samuel uh, comes into the room of really the last judge, but also the first prophet of God. We, we know that, I uh, love the story there, uh, the scene there where God begins to call uh, Samuel as a, as a child there working in the uh, tabernacle uh, with, with Eli. Uh, but we also know this, that as God called him, God gave him his word. And the very first word that Samuel got was the judgment of God that was going to happen on the house of Eli, and, and guess what we find out? The Word of God is always true. <coughs> Excuse me. And so what happens is, is that Ichabod comes to uh, Israel, and what I mean by that is that, well, that's what they named uh, the child with all of the bad news, and it means the glory of God has departed. And, and so that's when the scene when Israel went to battle uh, with the Philistines, the sons of Eli were slain. Upon hearing the news, Eli falls off the wall. He dies uh, in his fall. And, of course, the Ark of the Covenant had been taken by uh, the Philistines. But then we begin to see this, that, that really God doesn't need Israel, but Israel needed God. Because is, God begins to deal with the Philistines. Dagon, uh, their false god, falls over dead uh, before the the ark uh, with his head chopped off and his hands chopped off. That's awesome right there, amen. Uh, and then uh, we, we know this, that the Philistines begin to endure the judgment of God uh, as they possess the ark. And so they decided, we don't want the ark. And so they send it uh, back on to milk cows. And that's where uh, we left off uh, last week. And so First Samuel chapter number six, and let's uh, all stand tonight in honor of God's Word, if you're able to stand. And I'm going to pick up in verse number 14 tonight. And of course, this is where the uh, milch kind is what the Bible says, but that's 
milk cows. Amen. Uh, that's, you know, the Hebrew right there is uh, uh, dairy. Amen. No, I don't know. Uh, anyways, it's milk's kind. Uh, I was trying to think of a milk brand. Amen. Uh, Highland. Amen. Two uh, percent. So, uh, anyways, no, notice this. Now, what happens? So, when the milk, milk cows come back. Verse number 14. And the cart came into the field of Joshua, a Beshemite, and stood there <laughs> where there was a great stone. And they clave the wood of the cart and offered the kind, talking about the milk cows, a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the Levites, all right, the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the coffer that was with it wherein or wherein the jewels of gold were and put them on the great stone and the men of Beshemesh offered burnt burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices the same day uh, unto the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. And in verse 17 and 18 begins to list the, the golden emrods and the golden mice and what they represented. And of course, this is the Philistines offering, uh, trespass offering unto the Lord. And, and we dealt with that last week. They, they, they were idolatrous. This was the only way they knew how to uh, honor the Lord. But look at verse number 19, because here's what I want to kind of key, key in on tonight. It says, and he, talking about the Lord, smote the men of Beshemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. And, and, and even he smote of the people 50,000 and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Beshemesh said, who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And I think that's the right conclusion to draw here. And it says, And to whom shall he go up uh, from us? And they sent messengers to the inhabitants of kirjath Jerem, saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it uh, up to you. Uh, listen, we, we, don't, we don't want it either. Amen. It's a great lesson from those milk cows, isn't it? A blessing there. But I believe that there's also an important lesson right here. You know, the milk cows, they give us an example of really submission and being, a, being that, that unique testimony that God calls us to be among the lost. I mean, that's, that's what they were to the Philistines. They were unique in everything that they did and, and submitting themselves and, and, and all of that stuff, just incredible. But what I would say to you tonight is this, is that the men of Beshemesh in, in our text tonight, they give us a lesson on being careless. Careless with the things of God. And I'm going to say this to you tonight, and I want you to listen to this. I, I am a firm believer that a lot of churches... And even individual believers are being very careless with the things of God in our day and, and time. You don't believe me? Watch the news and look at all the cancellations today. And I'm not, listen, I, again, and I said this this morning, every church, that's their responsibility. There, but, I, but I often sit back and go, I wonder how many of them actually prayed and sought the Lord, really wanted to have services but couldn't. And some of them were going, let's cancel because I don't want to have services. Careless, careless. Like the men of Beshemesh, I'm going to tell you something tonight. There are serious consequences that happen when we get careless with the things of God. Father, would you bless the preaching now? And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated tonight? Firstborn children. Anybody a firstborn? Oh, man, welcome to the party. <clears throat> I'm an only child, so I, I mean, I'm firstborn, but I'm lastborn because I was perfect and they just stopped after me, so. You're a middle child, bless your heart. You're a baby, quit whining. 
So they say this, that the firstborn child into the family is like a pancake. It's a little strange, but also the experimental child. You, you, you ever made, okay, I'm, you ever made pancakes and that first one's just always a little, the rest of them turn out good, but the first one there. But really, I, li, listen, I, 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 and I, you know, and I'm thinking about our, our oldest daughter, uh, our oldest child, and I would say to you tonight, I, I think ours turned out okay. I, I think that, I, I believe that. I believe, her mother may not, but I do, amen, and uh, but <laughs> I'm just teasing. Here's what I would say to you tonight. Here's what I would say to you tonight. And I want you to listen to this. Regardless of all the theories and all of that stuff, I will say to you tonight this. They sure get the attention of mom and dad when they're born. And I, I, can, I can say this tonight. We have four kids. And, uh, and I often say this. We have three precious kids and then one other kid. Um, but... <laughs> We have four kids, and I, and I was there for the birth of every one of them, and I remember everything about that, where, where they were born, all of, that, all of that stuff. But there's just something about remembering so many of the details of the firstborn child because it's your first experience there. And I can remember, I can remember Natalie and I going uh, to the hospital at 5 o'clock in the morning so that so that Natalie could be uh, induced uh, into labor. And by the late afternoon, uh, she, um, she, she was not progressing like she should be. And so they uh, attached a heart monitor uh, to the baby to kind of just keep track of, of everything. And as the day uh, went on and even got into the early evening, the heart, the heart uh, rate of, of Madison started uh, climbing and getting higher and, and higher and so the doctor became concerned. We didn't, we didn't know it at the time, but come to find out, the umbilical cord had gotten wrapped around her neck. And so we didn't, we didn't know any of these things and wouldn't until later on and, and after she was born. But, but I can remember at that time, because of the concern there, they started talking about a C-section and emergent, doing emergency uh, surgery and all, the, all of that stuff. And man, I can remember going in to the waiting room and, and telling... Uh, uh, her grandfather, who was our pastor, and, and then, of course, uh, my father-in-law and mother-in-law, my family, and, and, and we began to pray and, and those kind of things. And so they got uh, Natalie, and, and of course, they, we had to give permission and all of that stuff. And then they took Natalie and took her back uh, to the operating room to get her prepped and the room prepped and all of that stuff. And then they came and got me, and they said, you put on your scrubs. And so I put on my scrubs. And then they walked me back. I remember they walked me back into this hallway past the baby nursery and around the corner. And there was a little desk there and there was nobody there. And they set me down at that desk by myself and they said, now you wait here until we come and get you. And I'm going to tell you something. It, it was probably only about 15 or minutes or so, but that was some of the longest 15 minutes I have ever experienced in my life. And you want to talk about a guy that was doing a lot of praying. I was doing a lot of praying. And I can remember the nurse coming out and saying, okay, Mr. Stewart, you can come in. And so they, you know, the, I went into the operating uh, room there. And so here is, is Natalie and, and her head is, is sticking out right here. And there's this big blue drape, you know, that's going up. And on the other side of that is where the operation is going to take place. And, and, and so there's a stool right here for dad. And I said, that's my spot right there. That's where I need to be. And the anesthesiologist is standing right here. So I'm talking to Natalie. And I'm like, what's it feel like? And she said, it feels like your stomach is an aquarium. And they're reaching in, trying to catch the fish. And I went, that's pretty weird. <laughs> and the anesthesiologist is going, Mr. Stewart, you can stand up and watch if you want. And I looked at him and I said, unless you want to have to deal with me. <laughs> passing out. I am not about to stand up and look. And so they're doing the whole thing, and I'm sitting there, and I'm talking with Natalie and all of this stuff, and, and just making sure she's okay, the anesthesiologist. And about that time, I heard, Rah! and I couldn't take it anymore, and I stood up. And when I looked up, there was a nurse on both sides of Natalie and had Madison, one, one arm, one nurse had one arm, and one, another nurse had another arm, and they were pulling her out, and she was not happy. And I was like, my girl's got my, my temper, amen. That's all right, right there. And they're pulling her out. And so they, they got her out and, and uh, got her cleaned up. And they put her over there on that little scale. And they weighed her and they measured her. 
And they done all of that stuff. And you know, when, when Emily was born, they do this thing now where they take the baby and they stick it right on mama. And I think that's pretty cool and all that stuff because it does, it settles them down. But at this time, they didn't do all that stuff. You know, they didn't have that 4D, uh, 3D uh, ultrasound and all. That's wild, man. You can just see the whole child in there. Why people believe in abortion, I have no idea. That is so sick. You, you understand what I'm saying? But anyways, not to get sidetracked. They, they wrapped her up in this blanket and, and they, we, we, you know, they handed her to me. And of course, I sat down there and Natalie and we're looking at her and everything. And they said, Mr. Stewart, you can take your daughter uh, down to the nursery. And I said, okay. And I stood up and I walked out of that room and I had to walk from probably about here to probably out to the front doors of our church and around the corner there and there was the nursery. And I'm going to tell you something. I was so scared I was going to drop her. And I'm, and I'm serious, and I, and I don't mean that to be funny. I, I know it is, but that's just that's how my heart was. I was so scared. I was going to drop her. I was going to hurt her. Now, you understand, that all changed when she was about, you know, six months to a year old, and I'm throwing her in the air, and I, I could probably touch the roof with one of my kids right now. But at that point, man, I was so nervous. And, 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 this, is, and this is the thing, as I'm walking back, the overwhelming responsibility of being a dad hits you. And, and you look down at this precious little thing and you go, mercy, i got to provide for this. i got to raise this, this, this baby in the nurture and, and admonition of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. You just you fall in love and, and it becomes, that, that little thing, that little precious thing becomes so, so valuable. Folks, what I'm trying to illustrate to you tonight is this. That's how the things of God ought to be to us. You understand what I'm saying? That they ought, to be, they ought to be of such great value that we handle them preciously. That we handle them carefully. And what you and I find in our scene tonight is that the men of Beshemesh, they, they did not do that. They utterly failed in that. They became careless with the things of God to the point that they open up the ark of God as if it's some treasure chest and 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 it's just available to anybody and and because of that the judgment of God falls on the scene and this is the thing that strikes me and I don't know if it strikes you but this is what I thought about did you ever think about this that that even the Philistines had reverence enough for God that they didn't do that they didn't do that they didn't open up the ark they didn't look in the ark. They had reverence enough for the things of God that they didn't do that. Yet the men of Beshemesh, who are Israelites, they felt liberty to, to do something because they, didn't, they were careless with, with, with the things of God. And what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that really this gives us a tremendous picture and a tremendous lesson of, of what's going on in our day and time where, where God's people are treating the things of God so carelessly Yet the world outside of us, many of them have the expectation that there ought to be reverence for the things of God. Right. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, that's a sad story. And that should not be the, the case tonight, that we would handle the things of God with, with great reverence. I'm going to show you some things tonight about carelessness and, and, and how, how it begins to manifest itself and how it begins to take place and, and the things that happen as the result of it, but I believe also there, there's an answer on how to prevent it in, in our lives. Uh, well, number one tonight, I want you to notice what, what I would call this, the course of carelessness. All right, the course of carelessness. Look down at verse number 14. This is where we picked up tonight in, in our text. If you go back up just a couple of verses, you'll see where the milk kind, uh, the, the milch kind, the milk cows, with, with the ark uh, on, the, on the pull cart, it, they come straightway uh, into the land of, of Beshemesh. And, and, and the men of Beshemesh, the people of Beshemesh, they're reaping their wheat harvest in the valley in verse 13. And they see the ark and they rejoice to see it. But then in verse number 14, I want you to watch this. It says, And the cart came into the field of, of Joshua, of Bethlehemite, of Beshemite, and stood there where there was a great stone, and they clave the wood of the cart and offered the kind 
uh, a burnt offering unto the Lord. So, so beginning right here, I want us to notice some things that what I would say to you tonight, that they might appear, they might appear to be normal or even, even acceptable at first glance, but when you begin to contrast them in the light of the Word of God, we may find some issues here, all right? And, and it starts right here with these two milk cows being offered up after bringing the ark back to Israel, all right? Now, now at, at first it seems, well, this would seem, you, you know, this would seem like an appropriate thing to do. They brought the ark back. I like, you know, I preached on the milk cows last week, and then we had a baptismal service for Alicia Watson that got saved, and and I come for, and I come out of the baptismal service, and Brother Seth uh, Wisdom walks up to me and says about the two milk cows, they went out, uh, they they went out uh, in in a in flames. He's right, they did. They went out. They went out in flames. Amen. And so we would understand that. But but here's the thing. Now watch this. According to Leviticus chapter one, in verses one through five. The offerings unto God, okay, are to be a male without blemish. Milk cow is not a male. Anybody catching this? Okay, just thought we'd have to have farming class again. Now, now again, and I know what you know, preacher. Look, you're, you're kind of being nitpicky here, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't we know the end of this thing? They look in the ark. So what I'm trying to show you here is there, there's something happening here. Watch, watch, what ha- look at verse number 15. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord. And the coffer that was with it, wherein the jewels of gold were, and put them on the great stone. And the men of Beshemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices the same day. Unto the Lord God. So it does kind of get a little bit better here, doesn't it? In verse 15, um, but there, there's still some things that a little off. Um, um, certainly, I would say to you this, it's good that the Levites, they come and they get the ark off the cart. That, that, that's according to Scripture. It's the Levites that, that ought to handle the ark of the covenant. Oh, come on. You, you, many of you know the story later on when... When David wants to bring the ark uh, into Jerusalem, and so uh, he gets some of the men, and they go and they start bringing the ark in, and the ark kind of shifts on the cart, and Uzziah reaches up and steadies the, the 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 ark, and because he touches it, God kills him right there on the spot, and David shuts the whole thing down and says, "Let's not, we're not touching it, we're not moving it anymore. We're doing something wrong here." And he was right; the Levites are supposed to move it. And it's not supposed to be by a cart. They're supposed to put the two poles in and they're supposed to carry the ark on their shoulder. That's their burden. Well, somebody say amen tonight. That, that, so, so you understand, it's good. It's good what, what they're doing here. And then you look down here and, and now it, it says here that the men of Beshemesh, they're, they're offering burnt offerings and sacrificing sacrifices the same day uh, unto the Lord. And, and so the, the burnt offerings and the sacrifices here. Now, these would most likely be scriptural, meaning this, they're males uh, w- without blemish. But, but I would say this, the thing that, that kind of disturbs me here is, well, number one, it's the men of Beshemesh offering them up instead of the Levites doing that. But the other thing is this, it's not, it's not just who is offering it up or even what's being offered here, it's where. Tabernacle's not here. Is everybody getting this? Ta- the, no, no, no. Offerings were to be done at the tabernacle. It's where the people of God would gather. It, so, so you understand, this, this isn't, li- listen, the ark coming back into the land, that isn't just for Beshemesh. That's for Israel. That's for Israel. So, so, and again, and I know we could say this. We could say, well, look, you're just being a little bit too stick, uh, pick, uh, nitpicky here. You're kind of, you're being a stickler on all of this. But, but again, look at the end result. The men, the men of Beshemesh, they look in the ark when they're not supposed to. What, what I'm trying to show you tonight is this, is that all of this shows us that carelessness 
It has a course that it follows. In other words, it progresses. Is everybody, is everybody getting this? So, so you understand, it starts out it starts out small with things that we would say, that we would might say, well, you're just being a little bit too nitpicky. They might even on the surface appear to be okay, but yet when you begin to examine them, they don't quite line up with the Word of God or the principles of the Word of God as you closely examine them. And then what happens is this, is that it progresses over time. And what is, what is small eventually becomes big. We just went from offering two milk cows to now opening up the ark going, wonder what's in here, boys. What was small moves to something big when you become careless with it. Is everybody catching this? What, what, is, what, what, is, what is obscure becomes obvious. And such was the carelessness of the men of, of Beshemesh. Why don't you listen to this tonight? That's why I don't like to see men of God taking their tie off in the pulpit. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, here's why. Though it is small and obscure, and there's nothing in the Bible about wearing a tie, you've also brought the standard down lower in the things of God. You're demonstrating less reverence, not more. You're being careless. And here's what I've learned over the years in ministry. Listen to this. In the end, we all know what's eventually coming. Because it's not just going to stop here. Because this is what happens. Pretty soon the music starts changing. And then, and then the preaching will start to change. And, and, then, and then the Bible versions will start to change. And then the name Baptist will get smaller and smaller on the sign until it disappears. And within a five to ten year span, what was once a distinct biblical preaching church has become, has become another evangelical venue of worldly entertainment for the masses. You didn't see that one coming tonight, did you? But my friend, listen, I've been in this thing long enough to see that pattern happen over and over and over and over again as people are careless with, with the things of God. See, see, the point is this, carelessness always starts small. It starts with, listen, it starts with a subtle, a subtle subverting of the authority of God and His Word. And, and, and it's only in a small area. It's obscure. And, and, and it's not seen by... By, by the multitudes. And, but, but here's what, what you find, is that, is that man always tries to push the limits. And as he does, it will progress, and those areas grow larger and larger until he's in outright rebellion against the things of God. <clears throat> I, listen, I, I, could sit here, I could sit here all night and, and tell you how... This pattern plays out with churches that eventually become doctrinally unsound, whether it's in, whether it be ecumenicalism or Calvinism. I listen, I've, I've been in this thing long enough to watch this pattern happen over and over and over again. But please listen to the, this tonight. See, here's the thing. This isn't about us all sitting in here tonight and going, yeah, we don't do those things and pointing our fingers out there to everybody else that's careless. You, you understand, this is about us looking on the inside tonight and examining ourselves and asking ourselves, am I being careless with some things? Am, am I being... Maybe some obscure, obscure things in my life that other people don't see, but am I being careless with it? I thought about things in Faith Baptist Church as I was just sitting up there on the platform I was thinking tonight, I don't ever want to get to a place in ministry where I'm careless with preaching. 
You know, I've got 15 years of messages on my computer back there. I could very easily just pull up a message that I've already preached and re-preach it. I don't, I don't want to be that way. I've preached through the Kings and the Prophets before. I'm excited to go back through it again and redo everything. I love doing it. And especially, you know, some, some 10 years later, and I look back and go, where did you even get that? You know, you grow in your faith a little bit and you see things a little bit differently. And, and, and so I enjoy that. But I don't, listen, I don't ever want to get careless in it. I don't ever, I don't ever want to get careless with, 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 with making sure that I'm prayed up and I'm ready for the services. You, you know, listen, I, uh, when it comes to Sunday morning, man, my alarm goes off at 5 o'clock. And I'm up, and I'm, and I'm spending time in the Bible, and I'm spending time in prayer, and I'm getting ready for the day all the way throughout the day. And I'm studied up and prayed and prepared and all of those things. And I'm just telling you right now, my worst fear is to be unprepared. And I want it to stay that way. I don't ever want to get to the place where I'm unprepared, where I'm careless with the things of God, and I just nonchalantly as a pastor just go through the motions of the preaching and all of those things. I don't ever want to get to that place. This morning, we didn't have services until 11 o'clock, so I set my alarm to 6 o'clock, and I woke up at 3. <laughs> Go figure. But that's okay, because I, I, I want to be careful with the things of God. I was thinking about our music and the people that spend time practicing the songs after the services and rehearsing and getting ready as they, as they stand up here. And, and they're not putting on a performance for you. You're not the audience. It's for the Lord. But I don't, want to, I don't want it to get to this place where we're winging our music and we're last minute prepping and we don't have our ducks in a row and all of these things. You understand what I'm saying? And if you're involved in, in the choir and if you're involved in special music, you ought to have that hard attitude as well. If Eric texts you or calls you about practice, show up, be there. That's your responsibility. This is not something, this is the worship and the things of God, and it should be cared for. I don't want our Sunday school teachers cramming on Saturday night for their Sunday school lessons. I want them praying for those kids and, 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 and writing those kids letters or sending them notes or phone calls or whatever and ministering to them and studying and praying and preparing throughout the week so that when it comes time to, to, to deliver the lesson, they're, they're ready. They've handled the things of God with care. You understand, I could go through the list tonight just even basic things like your church attendance is not something that should be careless. It shouldn't be that you come into the house of God and you're not praying and, and ready and looking for God to speak. That's unprepared. That, that's careless. You come in with, you know, with an attitude of on the back pew going, just hit me with your best shot, big boy. I, well, I, I can try. Well, I don't know. That's... And I'm not picking on the people on the back road, and I'm just saying that's sorry. I, and I know the Ramers back there, and I, they're not that way. And I, but I'm just saying that sometimes that's how people come in, and it's like that's careless. You, we need to be praying, and we need to be preparing, and we need to come in in the house of the Lord, and we need to be here Sunday morning and, and Sunday night and and Wednesday night and Sunday school and. When we're not on our ice skates, amen. And, but you understand what I'm saying. Even when it comes to things like Bible reading. Well, you know, he's got that Bible reading calendar. And he's just trying to tell everybody what to do and read the Bible. No, I'm trying to help you walk with God. But if you want to just have that attitude and treat the things of God carelessly, then, well, that's, listen, that's on you, Bubba. You know, even our prayer life. Well, you know, God already knows my heart. Why do I need to talk to him about things he already knows about? Because he said to in his word. And prayer isn't just about letting him know. He already knows, yeah, but prayer also doesn't, not only changes him, it changes you. And not only, it not only engages him to work in and in your life and through your life, but it changes you and puts you in a place where he can work in and through you. Listen, I'm, I'm just telling you tonight, let's be careful about how we handle the things of God. And sometimes it's areas that we would say are, are small, even, even down to our ties and in missions, well, I've got things that I need to buy and I want to spend my money on. Be careful of that. Small things. There are, there, there are a host of small things. And, and we have, you know, we, we have little lies. Little sins. I don't know that those are little or before God. But that's how we dub them. Because, you know, we think that, well, it's, it's okay. And what I'm saying to you is this. 
It's, it's our way of justifying being careless with those things. You know, there's always a reason why you warn people when they start missing on Wednesday night and, and Sunday night. You know why? Because that's always the pattern. It's like a progression. It starts out small, and before you know it, you're opening up the ark and getting in trouble with God. Listen, I, I could sit here all night with, with the applications right here. Did I know it speak to my life and the things that I have a tendency to, you, you know, to, to not treat with the value that I should? But, but I'm telling you, this is what I've discovered. The Spirit of God is a lot better with dealing with you than I could ever be. And so He can bring up those things. But, but here's the thing, what area are you being careless in? And, and, and it may be obscure right now, but, but I'm telling you, if you allow it to continue to progress and you don't deal with it, it's going to be exposed as these men in Bethlehem. Now, let me tell you the second thing, and this will get a little bit quicker here. Look down at verse number 19. It says, And, and he smote the men of Bethlehem, because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he smote of the people 50, listen to this, 50,000 and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. See, this shows us the consequences that eventually happen with carelessness. See, there's eventually, and, and this is interesting, there's eventually going to be death. And what I would say to you, now, now and I realize that, that, we, that a person can get so far away from God and that they, they commit a, a, a sin against God and, 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 and God said, that's it, and calls them out of this world. I, get, I understand all of that. But I would say to you this, that this right here gives us a picture and understanding of this, that, that if we continue to progress with carelessness with the things of God, we can get to a place where we feel like we're spiritually dead on the inside. Now, please don't misunderstand this. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. You can't lose that. But it, does, but it does mean this, that when you become careless for the things of God, you'll stop growing and you'll eventually uh, die spiritually speaking. You'll end up, may, maybe even end up going back to the old ways of life and getting very distant from God in your walk with Him. But here's the other thing, and I think that this is the one that really drew my attention, is that this is also not just about you. Look at the text. You, you listen, listen to me tonight. If you're careless with the things of God, you're not the only one that's going to be affected by that. There are other people that are going to be affected uh, by that. L listen, you, because of the men of Bethlehem and what they had done... Not only did they die, God judged them, but here's the other thing. There were 50,070 other people that suffered the consequences, and the entire area was lamenting over this because it affected all of them. It's not just about you. You're married tonight, it's not just about you. you li listen, if you're a spouse here tonight, and you get careless with the things of God, it's not going to just affect you, it's going to affect your spouse. It's the reality. Just something as simple tonight. I can testify. I can testify myself. Just something as simple as neglecting time in the, in the Word of God and time in prayer and, and not being faithful in my walk with God can not only affect me and my fellowship with God, but it affects my relationship with my wife. If you can believe it or not, I actually can get worse in my grumpiness. And by the way, she can too. When she's not walking with the Lord. And it can affect us. Now watch this. Please listen to this. And if we continue in that and progress in that, what do you think is going to happen to our marriage? It's turmoil. Is everybody getting this? It doesn't, listen, you, you, you understand? It, it doesn't just affect you tonight. What about parents tonight? If parents get careless with the things of God, don't be surprised when you see some of the consequences being reaped in the lives of your children. Well, you think that they just automatically, just mysteriously develop this, 
this angst towards the things of God and church and the pastor and all of this stuff because you're so spiritual and you have no idea where it came from? I think many times that's developed because we live one way here, but then we go home and it's a completely different way and they watch it. I just, preacher, I don't know why my, my kids just don't like you. And then you find out, well, that's because they've been listening to mom and dad had roasted preacher all the way home from church on Sunday morning. And you know, those little kids sitting in the back seat, they can hear a lot more than what you realize. That has got me in trouble on many of occasions. My kids will go, Dad, do you remember when you promised you'd take us here? And I'm like, when did I promise that? Oh, you said that to Mom the other day. You just whispered it, but we all heard it. And I got to own up to it and work out. The... And by the way, young people, your carelessness will affect your relationship with your parents. You view, them in a, you view them in a critical light, you despise their authority, you criticize them, and if you continue in this, it'll destroy the relationship you have with them. Well, preacher, you don't understand. My parents aren't perfect. Neither are you, Hot Rod. Get over it. It's, it's carelessness, and it's very dangerous, and it, and it affects people, and it hurts people. But here's, here's the last thing tonight, and I'm through, and I, and I love this. I love, I, I love that the men of Beshemesh, they don't just leave it there. They try to set things right. And so in doing so, they give us what I would say is the cure for, for carelessness. Look at verse 20. It says, And the men of Beshemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God, and to whom shall... He go up from us, and, and they said unto and they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath-Jerim, saying, "The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to uh, fetch it up to you. You want to you want to know what the cure for carelessness is? Here, here's here's the first one. Here, here's the first one. Here, here li, listen to this. You you want the cure? Here it is. Have a fear of God. Have a healthy fear of God. Look at what they say in verse twenty. Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall, shall he go up from us? You know what they really? We're in trouble, Jack. We are in trouble. If there is one thing that is missing today, it is a fear of God. It's missing today among God's people. And this is why many carelessly handle the Word of God, even the worship of God, even the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's like, it's like they don't fear God and they don't, they don't even care that He is holy. Do you, do, do you not understand? The men of Beshemesh, they figured it out. But it was after the fact. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, don't let it be after the fact. Learn from this right here and recognize it in our own lives. He is holy. He's Jehovah God. He is the I am that I am. Holy, holy means sacred. It means set apart. It is, it is listen, He's not just someone that is, that is of great value. He is of the greatest value. And He's to be treated as such. Do, do you not realize tonight that, that His holiness, listen to this, it is His most proclaimed attribute throughout His Word. wonder why that is. Maybe because He wants His people to understand who He is in His holiness. And that we would have a reverence for Him. And that we would treat Him with the utmost respect and reverence and care. Look at verse 21. And they sent messengers into the inhabitants of Kirjath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of oh, the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to you. What, see, see this, what I would say to you is this, is that the second thing that they do, not only do they have a fear of God, but the second thing that they do is they, show, they start showing great reverence for the things of God. 
See, once the men of Beshemesh realized the holiness of, of God in the previous verse, they start doing things right, right here. They, they start working to send the ark to Kirjath-Jerim. Now, now, this is what's unique about this, and you've got you to gotta underline this and write this down or whatever it is you want to do here. But Kirjath-Jerim was an area in Judah. Now, listen to this. And it lied directly between Beshemesh and Shiloh. Now, here's why that's important. Because Shiloh is where the tabernacle was set up. See, they weren't just getting rid of the ark like the Philistines. In essence, what they were doing is this. Let's put it in its rightful place. I think maybe that's what we ought to do with the things of God. You know, I thought about this tonight. I love Baptist history. We spend a lot of time on, you know, we, we deal with Baptist history. I love looking at the Bible and its history and the King James Version and all of that stuff. Do you, do you know why I do that? Well, not only does it give us a firm backbone in those things and who we are as Baptists and even what we believe about the Bible, but here's, here's another reason why, and this is another big reason. It ought to make us thankful for what we have. Do, do, you real, do, do you fully realize what men and women went through just so we can have this Bible tonight in our laps? Do, do you realize how blessed we are tonight to have a building that we can freely meet together in that's got padded pews and warmth, indoor plumbing? I'm just, I'm just telling you tonight, I don't, it saddens me to see so many people of God taking the things of God for granted. And we begin to treat them so carelessly. And what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that we, we, need, a renewed, we need a renewed healthy fear of our God. And we need a renewed reverence for the things of God. And that's... I'm telling you, when you put that all together with understanding how, how, how carelessness begins to progress in your life if you don't deal with it, and the consequences that can come with it, when you put that all together and you begin to develop a healthy fear of God in your life and renew that and begin to desire to make Him preeminent and treat Him with reverence, I'm going to tell you something, that'll keep you from getting careless anymore. And judging by this scene, I would say to you tonight, we, we need to deal with that, if that's where we're at. Let's all stand tonight.